All right. Hello, and welcome back to the Core Commentary Podcast. This is episode five. Today, I am very excited to have on uh, the head coach of McLean's football team, Joe Cockerham. Mr. Cockerham, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Obviously, I would love to get uh, more members of the McLean community uh, beyond just athletes. So I'm glad you're the first non-athlete <laughs> I've had on the on the podcast today. So, what's your background in football? Where did you start with uh, playing football? I assume back in high school, and then. You know, where have you played and coached before McLean? Yeah, so I went to, to Field High School, which is a very small kind of rural school in Ohio. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit about an hour south of Cleveland. Um, so I obviously played there in high school. Um, and then obviously playing in college wasn't going to happen. I'm five, six, and this was not, not my deal. So I went to the University of Mount Union, which is a um, nationally known Division three. It's a small, small college. Um, but, you know, when I was there, we were fortunate enough to play in five national championship games and win two of them. Um, you know, had some guys on staff that were, you know, that people know, you know, we have Matt Campbell, who's the head coach at Iowa State, Jason Candle, who's the head coach at Iowa, at um, Toledo, um, guys like that on our staff that I was able to learn from. Our head coach, Larry Karras, is, you know, in the Hall of Fame now, and he's, you know, as good as it gets in my mind, he's incredible. So that was one of the, one of my mentors and a guy that I learned from. Um, so did that, and then uh, coached in college for five years after college. So coached at a year as a student assistant at Mount Union and then um, at North Carolina Wesleyan, Methodist and um, Case Western Reserve University. And then uh, two different, a couple different high schools between now and then, um, two years as an assistant back in Ohio when I was trying to find a teaching job. Um, then in Virginia was an assistant at Colgan High School down in Prince William, mm-hmm. was a head coach at um, Heritage High School out in Leesburg. Mm-hmm. And then obviously this was my first season at McLean. First year at McLean, yeah, it was definitely a bit of a change of scenery. We had a couple of years um, before you got here, and then now we got a new staff. So, right. and then to clarify, did you play at Mount Union or did you? No, I was a student, student assistant student there. Assistant. Yeah, yeah, okay. I knew I knew coming out of high school that I wanted to coach, mm-hmm. um, and that playing wasn't for me. So I kind of started out, out coaching as a freshman in college. How uh, how did you know you wanted to coach? Was there a moment that you realized the type of thing? Or was it just no, casual? yeah, that's a good question. No, I kind of grew up with it. Kind of, you know, grew up really at a really young age, just watching games on TV with my grandfather and, you know, kind of fell in love with it from there. And I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on a moment where I was like, yeah, I'm going to become a coach. It was just kind of always something that I wanted to do. Did you ever, when you were younger, do any, like, you know, lower than high school, you know, uh, Pop Warner stuff? or was it No. Like, yeah, no. I, you know, I went straight from high school into college and you know, college for a while and then back into to coaching high school. So, yeah, no, unfortunately. Probably should. I mean, I've worked camps and things like that, mm-hmm. but I've never actually coached at the younger level now. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned at Mountain Union, there was a coach who you kind of modeled yourself after mm-hmm. in a way. Can you talk about that for a second? What lessons you took from him? Yeah, I think you. I think everybody you work for in your life, you take a little bit from, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I model myself after any one person mm-hmm. because you have to be your own person, right? If you're not, the kids are going to figure that out and it's not good. I think you take a little piece of everybody you work for. Uh, the person I reference is Larry Karras, who was my college head coach, um, you know, in the College Football Hall of Fame. Has won, his winning percentage is like 98%, something freakishly high. Um, you know, and from him, is what I got from him is his work ethic, his dedication, his um, – and a lot of his offensive and defensive philosophies I've kind of carried on. But, like, you, again, as a coach, you have to be your own person. You can't try to emulate being someone else. You talk about philosophies. Is that like – actual scheme things or like just the ways in which you teach stuff? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so I guess scheme-wise, kind of his number one theory that, that I will always carry with me is, you know, when you're developing an offense, who's our head coach and our offensive coordinator, similar to what I do at McLean. Um, his core philosophy was um, 
players, formations, plays, right? Mm-hmm. So we went through, we would go through every year a process of identifying who our top 10 offensive skill players were, right? Mm-hmm. Like the entire staff would rank them from 1 to 10. And then it's like, all right, cool. Like Now how do we get those guys on the field together? And then what can we run with those guys on the field together? So obviously there's some structure to our offense where it's adaptable from year to year. Especially at the high school level, that those guys are going to change, right? Yeah. Some we, some years we might have four wide receivers, other years we might have a tight end and a fullback, or mm-hmm. somewhere in between. So the, the structure of the offense is designed to be adaptable to different personnel groupings, um, and that's something I, I get from him on the scheme side. Yeah, and then uh, settle an argument for me really quick. Sure. You mentioned skill players. When you when you think of skill players, do you think of quarterbacks? Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> that was not my kid. I don't know. When I think skill players, I'm thinking running bats and wide receivers. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, but I think especially in the modern game of football, right? If you're old school, 20 years ago, you're understanding, you're handing the ball off every play, then maybe not. But I think in the modern game of football, especially the way we play it, you know, we're all shotgun, we're all spread out. Um, I think you have to consider that guy because he's a weapon for sure, especially yeah. the one we have. You never wanted to run the wing tee. <laughs> you know what? I would. If it, fit, if it fit our kids, I would, you know, but that's, that's not what we have here. Yeah, it's always kind of funny because – you watch the NFL and college football, and you have these gunslingers and mm-hmm. guys running 50-yard hour outs or whatever. And then you come out to high school, and then you'll have a team where their best players, they're running back, and they've got a strong fullback, too. Sure. And so every single play is handoff right side. Right. So it's, it's like we strapped the leather helmets back down. We're playing in, like, the <laughs> 1940s. Right. So I know this year we had a lot of seniors. It was, like, 25 seniors yeah. or something like that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the incoming senior class is a little bit smaller it is. Um, it's in the teens somewhere. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but yeah, it is. Talk for a bit about the seniors coming in this year, what we can expect from them, guys we should look out for. Yeah, it's a good group. Man. It is a smaller group, mm-hmm. um, but it's guys that, that we can rely on and that are super reliable. You know, the one that sticks out, he's a goofball, but is Vaughn McCullough. Mm-hmm. Um, Vaughn is totally I, – I, I hope you listen to this. I'm going to quote him. He will. He is locked in uh-huh. constantly. He'll, he'll get the joke. Um, but you got guys like Vaughn, Mark, um, Soleil, guys are doing a great job in the weight room for us in that senior class. Um, Mock, Matt Mock is killing it right now. Um, I'm going to forget somebody because I'm sitting here kind of spitballing. I don't have anything in front of me. But um, those guys are doing a great job. I'm really excited about where the senior class is. It is smaller, you know, in numbers, but they're they're doing a great job. Jason Babalit is, is killing it as well. Would you believe me if I told you that Vaughn was the one who told me to ask you that? Would not surprise me one bit. It shouldn't. <laughs> it was him. Um, what is the every year the seniors are you know the leaders of the team, the mm-hmm. guys who the younger guys are going to look up to, and every year you know you filter out a new group of seniors and you get a new group of guys to take the leadership mm-hmm. positions. How does that change sometimes manifest itself with you know how how the team is led differently, and are there ever any problems with juniors making that transition to being the the guys who yeah, there can be. It's interesting you ask that question because we had um, we have a leadership group. We actually had our meeting this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Damon Hart, who is a uh, currently an Army Ranger stationed at the Pentagon, mm-hmm. um, led our leadership group this morning. We meet with those guys once a month, and we we purposefully for that reason structured it to where there's one freshman in that group, you know, a bunch of juniors. Or, you know, I guess one, football wise, one sophomore, mm-hmm. a bunch of juniors, a bunch of rising seniors in there, so we can kind of foster those skills as they move on, so you don't necessarily always have that gap because that can be a problem, right? You have one really strong group. Well, if it's a really strong senior-led group, when they leave, there's that vacuum of, of leadership, right? So the, our goal is to not have that by developing those leaders at a young age, right? Like Malcolm Andrews is the one, you know, current freshman, you know, football sophomore 
that's in that group. And then obviously as seniors graduate next year, we'll add more from that class and then one from this coming freshman class. So we can start to develop that leadership, those leadership skills across the roster, not just in the seniors. Do you ever see any of the maybe underclassmen or just any like non-seniors really step into that leadership role? And how does that, how does that kind of work with the team? Like, is there ever a respect? I don't want to say respect problem, but I feel like people would be more inclined to listen to a senior than a sophomore. Do you ever notice that level, especially when like your quarterback this year was a sophomore? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, you know, we do. We will always have one non-senior captain. Mm -hmm. Okay, for us this year, I can't believe I didn't mention when we were talking about seniors, but it was Easton Johnson. Mm -hmm. There's nobody more respected on our roster by the kids than Easton Johnson. They they, they understand that. Um, so there is a little bit. You know, when a sophomore quarterback comes in, he's got to earn the respect and. You know, I think we had that situation here two years in a row mm -hmm. um, where a sophomore quarterback had to come in and earn some respect. I think both did, and mm -hmm. I think we're good there. But you certainly have to do it. And when you come in as a sophomore, you better be taking care of business for sure. Yeah, I, I can imagine it would be a little difficult, especially like Ethan coming up from the freshman team to varsity. You, know, yep. you, know, you, you don't really get that halfway point of JV. You get you are the on guy. the show right now, and you're on the guy. Yep. It might it'd probably be a little difficult because, especially at quarterback, you know, you're the focal point of that offense. So you got to be the leader in the plays in the huddle, but also off the field in practice. You know, we talked about that. We, you know, when, anytime you start a sophomore, I'm not going to talk about anybody specifically, but anytime you start a young quarterback, they, they have to know that they don't have to be that person, mm -hmm. right? They don't have to be that vocal person in the huddle necessarily, especially in the way we're, especially this year, we're going to be kind of up-tempo and do some things. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, they don't have to be. Mm -hmm. It could be a center. You know, this year we had Luke Detliff. You know, and Luke played that role and played it really well. And it doesn't have to be the quarterback, especially if it's a young guy. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you want to develop those skills in your quarterbacks as you go. But it's a sophomore quarterback coming in. I never expect them to, to be the guy. No, right? I, I expect them to be a guy. Yeah. You, know, we, we, you can always have other seniors that can pull that string. And being down on field level a lot, you know, I was taking photos or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you do kind of notice in the huddle different guys stepping up and yep. being that guy. Um, like Quinn Sullivan this year was often. Quinn did a great job with it too. Yep. To, to, to come in and, you know, set a play straight before it happens mm -hmm. and then yeah, unlock that play as it was Absolutely. happening. So obviously part of, you know, taking over head coaches and role, that's establishing a scheme, establishing your offense, defense, et cetera, but it's mm -hmm. also establishing kind of a culture, a mentality. Sure. What is that mentality that you're trying to establish with the team and how do you go about doing that? You know, our biggest thing is what I tell the kids, we kind of be the hardest workers in – the state of Virginia, Fairfax County, however you want to award it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, we can't control if we're the most athletic. Mm -hmm. We can't control if we're the fastest. We can't control if we're the strongest. And obviously, we'll get stronger in the weight room, but we can't. Those, are, those aren't controllables, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that we can control is how hard we work and how we prepare, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's coming in year one. That was something that had to change a little bit of. They had to see, and you know, Coach Shola did it differently, and which is great, um, but how I expected them to prepare, mm -hmm. right? How I expected them to work. Um, and that's anytime you get into a new job, that's there's a learning curve there. Um, I think we're getting there. I think our weight room has been really good. We got a ton of kids that are out playing multiple sports, um, which we encourage. But the biggest thing is just how we prepare, how we focus, how we work, and that's that. It all meshes together once things get rolling. Yeah, I didn't really realize the the spring workouts are starting. Like they're getting up. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. We started right after Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we're going Monday, Wednesday, Thursday in the weight room, you know, mm -hmm. when we have school for five days, which is rare, but um, and then <laughs> we're, we're practicing on Tuesday mornings at 645 and yeah, got good numbers and kids are coming out and we're getting a lot better. And I keep telling the guys like this time last year, I didn't even hired yet. Yeah. Right. I didn't even know. I don't even think the job was open yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? was... So the fact that now, you know, we know our entire offense and defense already you know, going into the, into the spring is awesome. You know, we're, we're, you know, obviously a much different place than we were 
12 mm. months ago. Yeah, and uh, I talked a while back to Mr. Tierney, the mm -hmm. the trainer, and he um, he talked about the importance of cross training and the importance of you know playing different sports and mm -hmm. weightlifting. And do you ever notice like any difficulty, especially with uh, people who play different sports, finding the time almost for those football workouts and stuff, or is it? Yeah, it's a challenge. So if, mm -hmm. the, our rule is if they're in a sport, they're in their sport. Mm -hmm. They should not be coming to football unless they've already cleared it with their head coach. So we'll get kids that are you know, JV soccer players or whatever that, that'll come work out with us still. Mm -hmm. But uh, the big key to that really is, you know, and this is something you need to get West on the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing that can help with those multi-sport guys is if they take um, personal fitness mm -hmm. and then they can lift during school. Yeah. And then that's not, if you lift during school, you don't need to then come lift after school. Yeah. So the guys that are, the guys that are multi-sport guys, a lot of them take P-Fit and that's, that's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And it's just when, when you try multiple sports, obviously you're getting a different workload on your body. Mm -hmm. So sure. eventually by the time football season comes around, you know, they're, they're getting stronger in different areas and they can put that all into Because football is, in a lot of cases, just a very head down, full body strength thing. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it depends on which position you play, right? If you're a lineman, on the line. it certainly is. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're a receiver, not necessarily. You know, you don't have to be the biggest, strongest guy in the world. You mm -hmm. can be really fast and... So I think that's the one good thing about football is there's kind of a job for every body type under the sun, right? Like mm. if you're 300 pounds, well, you can play guard. Yeah. If you're 125 <laughs> pounds, you can play DB. You know, there's, there's a different spot for every body type, which is cool. Mm -hmm. And then with that said, looking ahead to this, this upcoming year, how do we just kind of – obviously I'm not expecting you to know the specifics of everything we're going to be going over, but what is – what should the fans be kind of looking out for? Players to watch, games to watch, just have a season. Yeah, I mean, almost. you know, a games to watch, I think, is all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, every every Friday night's an event, which is why football is so unique. Right? Yeah, it's you always get, fun. You, you only get 10. Yeah. You're guaranteed 10. Obviously, we want to get to the point where we're playing more than 10 every year. That's that's where we're pro our program is heading. But you get 10. Mm -hmm. So every Friday night's an event, and that's what we try to tell the kids, man. you got to enjoy every second because you only get so many, right? Friday nights are special. Um, you know, and, and players-wise, there's a lot of guys. I mean, all those seniors are, are putting the work in, and they're going to do a great job. I mean, obviously, Ethan's our, our quarterback. and you know, But we talk about, really, we were talking about this in the coaches' group chat the other day, that other positions-wise, man, it's wide open. Mm -hmm. You know, there's guys that, that can go compete for jobs, and I'm really excited about this summer because we're going to see who wants to be the guy. Um, you know, and Ethan's going to be our quarterback, and, um, you know, we got some interesting guys at receiver. Malcolm Andrews is a sophomore, you know, rising sophomore that we're really excited about. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if I start shooting off a bunch of names, I'm going to miss somebody. So, yeah, like, no, I get that. Those two, young, <laughs> those two young bucks that are they're killing it. Yeah, it was always fun. Uh, the kick return squad on the freshman team was hilarious. It was just like, all right, everyone else get out of the way. <laughs> just, yeah, let's, let's see how many, see how many people Malcolm can make miss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stay with a good year. And football is really such a unique sport in that aspect because. Baseball, basketball, all these other sports, they're great sports, and everyone should be going to those games because mm -hmm. it's obviously an event. But, you know, football, for the sake of the players, is only once a week. Right. Um, you know, you can, people would be getting hurt on the daily otherwise. But that's why that's what makes it so awesome to me. The crowds are always so, so energized and mm -hmm. into it. And, you know, you get both sides of the field. And being down on the field level when a big play happens is so cool because you feel like the whole the whole team's about to light up. It's yeah. just, it's just, it really is a cool feeling being down there, and you can't really compare it to another sport in that sense. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell a story. You know, as I got, you know, go through the interview process and got hired, you know, Mr. Miller kept telling me about how awesome Friday nights were at McLean. I'm like, hey, you know, okay, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh -huh. You know, there hasn't been a lot of success. Like, how fun can the crowd really be? Yeah. And we were, as coaches, the first home game last year, I think, was Edison. 
and mm-hmm. um, game of the year. Like, we're in pregame, like pregame, you know, we're coming down, running through the, the stands and all that deal, and coaches are on the headsets for like, yo, this is cool, <laughs> you know what I mean, and, and I, you know, we kind of sat on the headsets, coaches, like, we got to figure out a way to win here, because if it's this cool now, wait till we're, you know, having having a heck of a year and see what this place is really going to be like, so we're excited for that. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of answered my question, but I was going to ask, like, was there ever a moment during the season where, you know, you know, the kids definitely get, the players definitely get a little, I don't want to say awestruck, but it can be very cool to be, you know, that guy on yeah. the field watching the guys cheer for you. Do you ever get kind of that feeling as a coach, or you have to be the, you know, the No, you can't. You, you can't. <laughs> you know, I guess the one the one moment that really steps, sticks out for me um, was when we were actually, we ended up getting, getting beat pretty good because they were really talented, but uh, that week one game at West Poe, mm. Um, yeah, they had scored to go up 14 to nothing, mm. and we answered on the first play. Um, Ethan hit Kalen Ferris on like a 70-yard touchdown. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure I got a concussion in the in the celebration, <laughs> which is not good. Um, but, you know, I think that as a head coach, you got to try to stay, you know, you can take it in and be like, wow, this is really cool. Um, but you got to keep an even keel. You can't get too hyped up. It's just it's just not your brain play. doesn't work anymore, and that's not not good. You so. follow Belichick like that, you know? Oh, it's just on to the next play. Uh, you, I mean, you work. have to. I mean, you'll see. You know, we have big plays. I'm out there chest bumping kids and whatever. I have fun, but you know, a lot of it's kind of preordained in my brain of how yeah. I'm going to react to stuff. You, but you really do have to, like, especially if things go you know, things go bad. You got to play the next play. Mm-hmm. Same deal. If things go really good. Okay, cool. You can't score. You know, can't score a big touchdown. Then have them return the, the next kickoff That's back for touchdown. Then it was worthless, right? Yeah. So you really do have to, as a coach, be able because teenagers aren't going to do that themselves. That's just not yeah. how teenagers are wired, right? So you have to be able to reel them back in, good or bad. All right, guys, cool. That was fun. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's another play. You know, if we if we had to score a game winning touchdown quarters. last play of the game, we'll let them do whatever they want. Yeah, but two you more know, quarters to go. You got to look in. I was because I was at that West Potomac game, and when when Kalen scored a touchdown, it was. Really crazy. It was wild. Yeah, it was, it was wild. wild. It was like, wow, I didn't think he was going to be able to turn that. Yeah, he ran away from, you know, we we had kind of set the play up, you know, both scrimmages. Anytime we were in that formation, we were 100% run. Mm-hmm. So we ran play action off of it, and we knew they were man-to-man. We crossed up and tripped the guy that, that was man-to-man on him and hit him over the top. And that was, that was a lot of fun. It was a, that was mm-hmm. a big explosive play for us. So yeah, and, and then you referenced, you know, having to reel the guys back in after a big play like that. On the flip side of that, if the other team gets a big play and they get a 70-yard touchdown or something, how do you keep the morale up so it's not like like, like, like we don't want to quit on ourselves now because they scored yeah. one touchdown? Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, as young teams learn that, you know, like I said, same, pro- same process, right? Play the next play. You know, good, bad, somewhere in the middle, you got to play the next play. I think mm-hmm. you, you get point to a game last year where I actually think we grew a ton is that we played the probably the best quarter, best half of the year in the first half against South Lakes. Mm-hmm. Right, it came out of halftime and had like a block punt and two turnovers on the first three drives, and you know they were really athletic, and we kind of couldn't overcome that. But I think our kids learned that you can't let bad descend into completely awful. Yeah, right? something bad happens, you just got to go and play the next play. Yeah. So you you were tasked to kind of turn around the program at McLean. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we've been through definitely a couple down years since that uh, COVID year where we were pretty solid in the spring. Yep. Um, y- you had to do kind of a similar job at Heritage, yep. I know. How did you undergo that process at Heritage, and then what aspects of that are you carrying over with you to McLean? The big thing is developing that mentality, right? Mm. You, you can't have that mentality of, oh, we're, we're McLean or we're Heritage. It was the same situation there. Oh, uh, we're not very good at football. Well, bullcrap. You just got to do the work and be good, right? So it's really explaining to the kids, getting them to understand how hard of work it is. Okay, You don't just show up on Friday nights and win, right? That mm. work is done 
January, February, March, April, May, definitely June and July, right? Are mm-hmm. huge. Um, that work's done then. It's not done in August, September, October. Yeah. Um, yeah if you want to play games in November, like we did at Heritage, you got to do the work for 12 months. That's yeah. just the way it is. Um, and the other big thing, and I'm trying to stress here, and we're doing a little bit better job of it, and the way we really got things to turn at Heritage is we got to pull kids off the basketball team. We got to pull kids off the baseball team. We got to pull kids off the lacrosse team. We got, you know, swim. My left tackle at Heritage was a swimmer. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting combo. That's, I was going to say, he's know, not that big. No, it, you know, he, but he was like 225 pounds. Of, he's cut up and mm-hmm. you know, really athletic. Um, but you got to have multi-sport athlete kids, right? You cannot have, you know, 100 kids that just play football. It's not going to happen in a school like McLean. So I need, you know, I'm not going to put names out there, even though there are two kids that know exactly who they are, who I'm thinking <laughs> about. But um, you got to pull kids off of other rosters and, you know, mm-hmm. and get them, hey, Friday nights are fun. If you come out, we put this all together, we're going to win. It's going to be fun on Friday night. It's, like I said, it's 10 games and it's special. Um, so getting those kids from all other sports to come play is, is huge yeah. to turn it around. And I remember when we played, I want to say it was Herndon, mm-hmm. that a kid named Liam Wilson. Yeah, he's a stud. He was a stud. <laughs> he 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 ran that ball hard that whole yep. game. And I was trying to think, like, why do I know that name? I do the announcing for baseball. Yeah, he's, he's a third baseman. He's committed to Wake Forest yep. for baseball, and it's yep. like you sometimes it's just athleticism just prevails in that case. Yeah, and he's just a big, strong kid that mm-hmm. runs well. And exactly right, he's kind of bought into being a multi-sport kid. I think he plays basketball as well. Probably and, made some better at uh, baseball. It, which yeah, is and it's, it's just, I mean, I think in high school, you've only got four years to, to compete, so right? Well. So why not do it as often as you can? Mm-hmm. You know, I know I talked to a bunch of college recruiters, and, you know, we I talked to the coach at, at Tech two weeks ago and the Maryland coach this week and you know, the UVA coach, you know, somewhere in between there. They want multi-sport kids, mm-hmm. right? They want to recruit kids that are out competing and, and being athletes in other sports. They don't want the kid that, oh, I just play football and lift. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, great. But, but they want those kids that compete. Yeah. You know, that's that's what the, those schools are looking for. And I also found it interesting when you mentioned, like, we can't have that mentality of, you know, oh, we're McLean, oh, we're Heritage, we're always going to be bad. Because right. I referenced Marshall. I showed up in a Marshall hoodie. It says my brother went there, and when yeah. he was there, he was class of 18. Yeah. They are not good at yeah. all. They were just objectively bad at football. Their opponent was – or, like, their big rival, you know, mm-hmm. their Langley Tar McLean was um, was Madison, and Madison always dusted them. Yeah. Um, and now they they have a lot of really talented players. Mm-hmm. They have that uh, running back like Nikia Wilson. He's yeah. a dog. And I'm glad he's graduated. <laughs> <laughs> you don't got a scheme for him anymore. Um, and it's like that turnaround can't happen. It's not just this kind of stuck in this rut of, oh, well, we're McLean, so we don't have to right. have a good program. You know, if you if you look I and mean, use Marshall's example, if you look, you look at the history of the Madison program. Mm-hmm. Okay, Madison wasn't always going to state championship games every year and doing what they're doing there now, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I couldn't quote years and records and those things. I just know as I studied Madison, demographically, very similar to McLean, mm-hmm. right? And if you look at the history of their program, at one time, we're exactly where we are, mm-hmm. you know? And there's no reason we can't become the same thing. It just takes hard work. Mm-hmm. So the first year um, – Record-wise, was not amazing, but there were a lot of things to be excited for. Mm-hmm. A lot of players. We talked about the incoming seniors. We talked about some younger guys coming in. Um, what things in specific on and also off the field with that leadership? I know we already kind of touched on this a little bit, but what is there to be excited about, especially using this offseason that you've noticed, like things you might not have thought about um, going through the season last year, like things that in this upcoming season, you know, eight, seven months from now or whatever, mm-hmm. like – that you've learned from these off-season workouts are really yeah it's you know it really truly is that we do have a ton of kids that are out playing other sports mm-hmm. you know which i love you know we're, our lacrosse team has got 
know, probably 12 football players on it, yeah. which is awesome, you know, and being able to really, you know, we lose a little bit with, you know, hey, they're not at our Green Day practices this spring and whatnot. It's not learning stuff, you know, football-wise, but that's cool. Like, go, I'm really excited to go watch them play lacrosse, and, you know, we'll, we'll start talking to them in June about football stuff, but... I think the, the one thing I learned is that there is that culture here already mm-hmm. of kids playing multiple sports, which is great. We just got to start to make sure one of those multiple sports is football, yeah. <laughs> you know. And um, a lot of, like, the principles from other sports can be taken over football. Like, if you're, if, like, if you're making a cut in lacrosse, it's no different than making a, a downfield cut in football. And I think the biggest one, the biggest one with their similarity is in wrestling. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like, you know, we did the, the duel in the school thing, which was awesome. That was awesome. Um, but, you know, a lot of so people cool. don't go to wrestling and don't really think about it. There, I mean, that is the most transferable mm-hmm. sport to football because it's all hands, it's all feet, it's leverage, it's, and, and it's you against someone else, mm-hmm. the entire gym watching you, right? What other sport do you get that, mm-hmm. right? It, it's like, it, you don't, it's right? The, it, it's the prototypical sport. It's yeah. who, you versus this guy, who is stronger? Yeah, and, or, so or who's more fundamentally sounder, who's got better technique. Or, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily who's stronger, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it's who's prepared better, who's in better shape. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we, we talk about the multi-sport guys, but – Wrestling is the one that sticks out to me that translates directly to football, right? Like, those skills are any position you can play in football, you're using those skills on the mat as well. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that, you know, our our state placer guys like Detliff and Will Louie are also very yeah. impactful players on the football Absolutely field. Absolutely right. So, yeah, cross-training cross multiple sports is definitely, sure. I can tell, something that you, you prioritize. Absolutely. Um, how important – so, this is kind of a weird one, but how important is – patience and building a winning team while also making sure you don't get so patient that you're complacent, if that makes sense. That's a great question. Yeah, it is a great question. Um, you know, again, it took three years for us to get it going at, at Heritage, and mm. I'm not saying that's what it's going to take here, but you do have to be patient, and you and you really have to take joy in the everyday growth, mm-hmm. right? So we practice, we, if, you know, if we're, you know, last year we're one and eight, one and seven, whatever, you know, down the year, you really have to do a good job of pointing out things in practice, mm-hmm. right? Like, hey, you, I'm trying to think of a, a, a concrete example for you. Ben Irish is a, a really good example. Ben Irish came so far from week one to week 10, mm-hmm. right? Did we see it on the field? Not yet. Maybe, you know, he did some stuff, but he, he's capable of much, much more, right? Mm-hmm. But you see stuff in practice and you really have to be like, hey man, that's so much better than it was a month ago, mm-hmm. right? And you have to really sp- specify those things because the kids and, and coaching staff as well can see that constant growth. They know they're getting better. Okay, it may not show necessarily in year one or whatever, show up on the scoreboard. Okay, which, oh, who cares? I, I mean, obviously I want to win, but I'm more worried about that growth every day in practice. So you really have to do a good job of pointing that out to the kids of like, hey, you couldn't do that a month ago. Mm-hmm. Or you, or, you know, you're much more confident than you were a month ago. Or whatever, they're, whatever they've gotten better at. You have to be able to point those things out. Yeah, and I guess I kind of almost raises the question like the, the line between – you know, obviously reinforcing positive uh, emotions or like like movements, plays, individual mm-hmm. things they do. But where is kind of the 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 flip side of that with, you know, they do something wrong, they miss a blocking assignment or whatever. I'm not saying you need to turn into the remember the Titans guy and make him run a mile, but yep. how do you make sure to grow from that so they know like that's not what we do, but we can build from that. The biggest key as a coach is understanding the why behind it, mm-hmm. right? If they miss an assignment, if, they, if something happened, they just got physically beat. Mm-hmm. That happens. That happens. Okay. Again, play the next play, right? Mm-hmm. Or if they stepped with the wrong foot or they – whatever. You have to figure out the why, right? You can't just be like, oh, you missed your block. Mm-hmm. That's not good coaching. The coaching is you missed your block because – and give them something actionable, right? Like, 
hey, your first step needs to be six inches instead of 12, you're overstepping, or, um, you know, you, you fall, you cut your route. I know, for example, I'm not going to say a name, but, you know, we had a, a route early in the season that would have been a touchdown, but we broke it at eight instead of 10. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, like, you ran your route wrong, that doesn't make, make anybody better. Like, hey, make sure you're pushing to your proper depth, right? Make sure you're breaking at 10. You have to give those actionable examples. You can't just criticize. And that's what's interesting about football. You'd think two yards wouldn't really uh, it makes, have much It makes impact. a world of a difference. You ever seen any given Sunday? Sure. Al Pacino, it's game of inches. Yep. Yeah, my stepdad yep. told me that before I played football game one time. <laughs> right. Um, oh, my God, I had a – oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, regardless, a uh, lot of things to be looking forward to this year, I, th- I think, sure. still. Um, I'm definitely excited to drive to the game senior year. Me too. Um, it's going to be a good year. What was, what was your favorite memory from this past year? Being, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yep. Sorry. You're good. Um, Obviously, if it's an on-the-field thing, you miss a blocking assignment, you run the incorrect, run the incorrect depth, it's an under, understanding the why. Um, how do you approach off-field problems? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you're specific. Yeah, there, and I certainly wouldn't go into specifics on that. But Is it the same thing? Like, you want to make sure, like, that's not what we do here for the mentality that we're establishing. Correct. Yeah, you want to – you have to really establish that, you know, we don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. The, whatever the, the off-the-field action was that, that we don't want – you know, it's it's like Coach Hart talked about it today in our meeting, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm about making everything. Teenagers do dumb things. That's just what you guys do, right? Been there. Right? <laughs> so it's making it to where it's a growth thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, you did something stupid. This is why we don't want to do that. You know, if you, if you can grow and not do it again, we're going to be okay, right? Obviously, you may have to sit a quarter or a half or whatever we decide the punishment is, depending upon what happened. But we want to make sure that it's something that, that you guys can grow from because that's really what – high school is all about yeah yeah and then question i was gonna ask before i got cut off by myself um <laughs> your favorite memory from this past year well was there a moment that kind of stuck out to you like 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 this is something i'm gonna hold with me and then how do you want to i mean obviously you know thumping yeah. wayfield was fun <laughs> you know <laughs> that was a great um, you know at home you're having a, a really good experience at home um that, that was fun right you know we, we got the best thing about the Wayfield game is we got seniors that they may not have played a bunch. Eli Gorkowski scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Charlie got to play the whole second half and do Charlie things. And, you know, and I think seeing those guys go out and seeing some fruits of the labor for those seniors and let them have them go out and get a win at home was, was good. Yeah. And then uh, next year, you obviously want to be making more of those memories that you had from this past year. Sure. What are your main goals for the upcoming year? You know what? Everybody asks that question, and I, I'm going to give you a very, very canned answer. Uh, my goal is always just to be better mm-hmm. tomorrow than we are today. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think if you do, the, if you approach every day that way, whether it be in life or in football, obviously you're talking about football, right? Mm-hmm. If your goal is to be better tomorrow than you are today, the wins will take care of themselves. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm, I guess you're going to say, we're going to go 9-1, and one, we're going to go 10-0, we're going to – no. I, I, I just don't think that, that's, that makes a lot of sense, right? I don't know what anybody looks like or what other people have come back and I do, but – you know, um, I think we just got to be better tomorrow than we are today. Mm-hmm. And if we continue to have that mentality, we'll be just fine. Also, make sure our fake punts are a little bit better communicated. There's that one play, the snap, the direct snap to Detlef. Oh, he just dropped it. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, he knew it. He just dropped it. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, unfortunate. He just dropped it. Because he, okay. he told me before the game, he's like, there's a fake punt coming to me if, <laughs> if, if it happens. I saw them line up. I saw him right there. I was like, oh, he's going to go sit to yards. Yeah. And, you know, that game, you know, that was in the Langley game, and the score was a little bit out of hand already. So just like, when I said punt, I think one senior looked at me like I was crazy. 
He's like, what do you mean? And I looked at him and he was like, oh, I get it. And so we told that. It didn't work, but it was it was fun. And I missed the Andrew Mock play. I was yeah. I was walking down the sideline and I stuck behind because all those guys and their helmets and their pads are yeah, eight, yeah. eight feet tall. You can't see over them. All I know is everyone starts screaming. Yeah. And I see Andrew Mock running. I'm like, wow, I don't know what happened. So we, we practiced that for probably two months. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was fun. You know, Mock's a guy that was a heart, part of the heart and soul of what we were last year. And, you know, we had you know, put a bunch of trick plays in and, you know, we, we emptied the bag in the Langley game for sure and used them all because why not? The season was over. Um, that was one of the ones we used, and I was glad he got to, got to catch it and, and, you know, get a little – got that 15, 20 yards, whatever it was. Yeah, it was good. a solid play. It was a move the chains and all that. Yeah. I mean, it was always interesting. Um, I played lacrosse with Andrew Mock, mm-hmm. and, like, he's one of the guys who retired now plays last. Yep. And it's interesting because he plays defense. And a lot of guys, when you're going up against them in a one-on-one or whatever, they'll hit you with their stick. They'll, they'll, they'll try and lift your back end, everything they're taught to do. With Andrew, it's like he doesn't even have a stick. He just plays you like an offensive line. It's like, wow. <laughs> Sounds about right. I have no idea how anyone ever beats this guy because he just—he's in the way. He's—he's he's so both big hands on and, and he's so massive. Long. Yeah, he's yeah. huge. So yeah. I can't—I can't imagine having to try and tackle him coming downhill on a stream pass. I, I think they—they they, they had to go down to his knees. They, they definitely took his legs. <laughs> you take out the legs, you can't run. Yeah. So that's all I got for today. You have anything else you want to add I'm on? I'm good, the man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming out. Uh, Come to the football games this year. All right. Come check out the Highlanders play this year. And uh, thank you once more.